Hey, come on. How about serve day, y'all? Let's give it up for Jesus today because that's what it's really all about. I'm so proud of you for serving and for just being the hands and feet of Jesus yesterday, just out in the, in the community uh, delivering baskets to, to nurses, delivering baskets to the children's home, doing yard work, doing, doing work all over the place, just being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what it's really all about. And I just want to say I'm so proud of you, so thankful for your generosity that helps make that happen, all right? So hey, we're in week seven of what I've been calling the City Hope, the Summer at City Hope series, but really it's a Summer at City Hope season, all right? Because summer's a season, everybody, so we're, we, we, we got a, a season going on here, and there's one thing I want to just kind of tell you that we're, we're, we're kind of gauging interest in. As we try to lead through this pandemic and, and we're, we're trying to do this to the best of our ability and, and we've never done this before so we're, we're learning as we go. But as we lead through this pandemic, uh, one of the things we've noticed, churches all across America are noticing that, that people just seem to, to becoming distant from the church and they're saying things like, well, I'm, I just feel disconnected and I feel like I don't, I feel like I don't, you know, I don't belong anywhere. And can I just tell you that, that that's what happens when we don't get to be in church with one another. That's what happens when we're not able to gather and assemble together. And so we're looking at a way, and there's no decisions yet, but we're just looking, engaging interests at a way that we could build community through small groups as we take steps to reopening later this year. And so one of the ways that we're looking at that is what we call a, a watch party and so if you are interested in hosting a watch party at, at, at your home and what that means is uh, you know 10 to 20 people would, would, would come to your home social distancing where possible wearing masks using hand sanitizers you know not coming if they're sick all of those things if you're interested in being a host for those where, where you guys can watch the, the, the sermon together, you can be part of it and build community, then I'd love for you to go to cityhopefamily.com slash watch party. Just let us know. And again, there's no decision that we're going to do this, but this is a, a, a gauge. It's helping us gauge the interest on whether this is something we really should pursue or not, okay? All right, so hey, we're going to... Um, we're going to get into week seven today and today's message is really a continuation of yesterday you know one of our core values here at church is what we call extravagant generosity and what we mean by that is that that God showed an extravagant display of love when he sent his one and only son to be crucified for our sins and so in return, what we want to do is, is we want to display extravagant love back to God through generosity. He loves us so much that he gave his son. So let's love him so much that, that we'll be generous in return. That we want to use the resources he's given us to be a blessing, to make a difference for his name. So you guys know if you've been, if you've been hanging around City Hope for the last several weeks that next Sunday is a heart for the house offering. And this is an offering where 100% of it goes to help us get in the, the, our new Cedar Elm location. Who's ready? Who's excited for the Cedar Elm location? Woo! Man, I am so ready for that. So pumped. And as we prepare for that, um, as we prepare for that offering next week, what I want to do today is, is I want to lead you to a place where you can truly say that my heart is for this house. That's what I want for you. And I have today 
uh, a few things I want to share with you. But uh, our theme verse says it this way. In, in, in John chapter 2, verse 17, this is what I want for you, is that you could say, zeal for your house is consuming me. God, I just, I want to be in your house. I love your house. I have a heart for this house. And that's what I want for you today. I want zeal for the house of God to consume us. There, there's a passion to be in his house. And so today, I want to kind of answer the question, what does a heart for this house look like? What, what do I mean when I say have a heart for this house? So I want to show you four things that I want for you. Four things that I'm praying for you. This is my prayer for you, okay? And the first one is this. My, I, what I want for you is I want for you to be able to say, my heart for this house is full of joy. Like, like, like you can't wait to get into church. And I know you're worshiping online this morning. I know you're probably in your pajamas. You probably haven't even brushed your teeth yet, right? You're eating a bowl of cereal and oatmeal, watching this service online, right? But even there, I want you to be able to say, man, I can't wait for church today. Like, I want you to have this joy in your heart for the house of God, this joy in your heart, full, full of faith, full of joy for the house of God. And, and from the very beginning, we said that we, wanted, that we wanted church at City Hope to be like a party, not a presentation. Like, we believe that church should be enjoyed, not endured. Church should be a celebration, not a chore. Are you with me? Like, it ought to be fun to be in the house of God. And as we were getting ready to plant this church, over and over again, we prayed. And we asked the Lord, Lord, let us be the kind of church where people say, it's, it's over already? Like, I, man, I, I can't wait to get back next Sunday. We want to be the kind of church where if you miss church, you actually miss church. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I mean, I've been to some churches where I wouldn't miss it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'll go somewhere else. I wouldn't miss it. But City Hope, man, I miss when I miss. I miss this place when, I, when I'm not here. And that's the kind of church we want to be. And over and over again, that's been the testimony. We've heard it. It reminds me of what David said in Psalm chapter 122. He said, I was glad... In other words, I was full of joy. My heart leapt. My heart was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. Let's go to City Hope Church. Let's wake up and let's stream the service together. Let's participate in church today. I was glad. That's what I want for you. That's my prayer for you that you could be able to say that. And, and I want you to know, I, I, want, I want you to hear me plainly when I say this, that I am proud to be your pastor. My heart is full of joy to be your pastor. I love being your pastor. I love you. I, I love that I get to do this. My heart is full of joy to be your pastor. Now, in the same way, what I want for you is I want, I want, you, to have, I want you to have pride that this is your church. I want you to say, man, I love, I love this church. Man, I, I want you to be able to have this sense of belonging. Like, like you say, man, those are my people. That's my church. That's where I go. That's, that's my church out making a difference. And, and I actually had a chance to hear that this week. I was at the Cedar Elm campus when a guy named Alex came in to get a serve shirt. And he said, he said, Pastor, I just want you to know, I'm proud to call this my church. You guys were there for me when we needed you. 
Man, you, you, I, I love the way you're being intentional with race relations in our, in our city and in our nation. I love the way that you're handling this pandemic. And I'm proud to call you my pastor. I'm crowd, proud to call this my church. And that's what I want for you guys. I want that. And, but more than that, I, I want you to know that it's not just being able to, to call this your church. It's not just having a sense of pride that this is your church. But it's about finding joy in the presence of God. Because when, when you get in the presence of God, what we believe is one moment in his presence will change your life. And when you get into a, an atmosphere like this, the presence of God shows up. I want you to have this longing to be in his presence. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 84. It says this, how lovely is your dwelling place. Man, how, how lovely is McNeil Middle School, right? Woo, come on. How lovely is this place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint. I mean, th th these guys are saying, I, I can't wait. I, like, I I'm, I'm fainting with with longing to get into the house the courts of the Lord and he says with my, soul, with my whole being body and soul I will shout joyfully man when I get into church this morning I'm going to shout joyfully I'm going to lift my hands I'm going to go after God I'm going to sing his praise and it goes on in verse, verse 10 and says a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be watching online right now. I would rather be in McNeil Middle School gymnasium worshiping my great God than anywhere else. I love what he says. I would, I would rather be a gatekeeper. I would rather mow the yard. I'd rather clean the toilets. I would rather stand at the door, hand out bulletins. I would rather sweep the floors than to live in 90210. I would rather do that than to live up in Beverly Hills living the good life. Woohoo! I'd, I'd rather be in the house of God and that is my prayer for you that you could say, my heart for the house of God is full of joy. I want to be in God's presence. The second thing that I'm praying for you, this is my, my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that your heart for this house, that your, that your heart for this house would would be focused in prayer. Focused in prayer. Like, like lifting up your pastors, lifting up your worship team, lifting up the dream team, lifting up the building projects, that your heart for this house would be focused in prayer for what God wants to do. And, and you guys know that we're about to move into a, one of our favorite seasons here at church. We call it 21 Days of Prayer. And we do it two times a year. In fact, it's three Sundays from right now it starts three Sundays from today and Lord willing we're going to be able to to start it at the Cedar Elm campus we're going to be able to host it there this year I'll keep you up to date with that but if everything kind of goes as planned we'll be able to host it right there in 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 our new location but I want you to know that 21 days for, of prayer is is not just a placeholder for us you know churches do events and they do programs Churches have different things going on. And I want you to know this is not just something that we say, man, that's a good idea. Let's do that. 21 days of prayer for us is throwing caution to the wind. It's cutting the anchors. It's burning the ships and saying, God, we're going all in. We're going all in. We need your presence and we need your power like never before. It's a season where we're kind of getting back in routine, right? I mean, you're, 
The kids are going back to school. Please, God, let the kids go back to school. Is anybody with me out there? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Share some heart emojis on that one. Ready for the kids to go back? Where our, our work routines get back in order? The kids start playing sports again. We stop traveling as much. And this is a season for us to focus on God as well. For us to go after God. To, for us to gather his heart for what he wants at City Hope. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew. He said, it's written that my house will be what? A house of prayer. If there's anything that goes on at City Hope Church, if there's anything that happens in the house of God, make sure prayer's part of it. Make sure prayer's the main thing because it's where it starts. It's where it begins. And then Paul gives us, Paul gives us this, this kind of snippet of how we should pray. And he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he says, guys, I, I don't want you to wrestle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Can I say it a different way? We're not wrestling against Republicans and Democrats. We're not wrestling against blacks and whites. We're not wrestling against... Again, it's not us versus them. We're not wrestling against coronavirus or the flu. We're not wrestling against those things, but we're in a spiritual battle. We're up against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's what we're up against. And Paul says, don't, don't fight against people. Don't, don't worry about your opinion. Don't, don't, your, your opinion really doesn't matter because we're not fighting against other people. We're, we're wrestling in a spiritual warfare. Is anybody with me today? Do you believe that? And so we're in a spiritual battle. I believe that we need this season of 21 days of prayer more than we may have ever needed it. I just really believe that we need this season of prayer. And I, I want to tell you that, that City Hope started in a season of prayer God reminded us of the dream to start this church in 21 days of prayer when we first moved to Wichita Falls in June of 2018 one of the first things we did was we started building relationships and we began to invite people to 21 days of prayer in August of 2018 about 3 to 5 people would show up for prayer every weekday morning come January 2019 we're getting ready to have our first service at McNeil Middle School and we knew this. We didn't want to have one service with, without 21 days of prayer. We were going to bathe this church in prayer. So we spent 21 days of prayer leading up to our launch. Seven to ten people would show up and encounter church where they were allowing us to use that building. And we, we prayed. We, we sought God. We got to August of 2019 and I had been talking up 21 days of prayer and talking about how it will change your life and as many as 50 people would show up every weekday morning to seek the face of God in August of 2019 then we came to January and people were starting to buy in believing that 21 days of prayer could change things in your life and in January of, of this year as many as 90 people were showing up to seek the heart of God and I'm telling you right now, I believe before we have our first service in that new building, we need to have 21 days of prayer. We, we need to bathe that place in prayer. We need to ask God to do what only he can do. I want your heart for this house to be focused in prayer. Ask God to do the impossible. So starting three weeks from today, we begin that fall season.
6 a.m. every weekday morning. It's going to be incredible. I want you to be focused in prayer. That's my prayer for you. All right, the, the third thing that I'm praying for, the next part, what I really want for you, what I'm praying for you is that you'd be able to say, my heart for this house is servant-minded. Servant-minded, not, you know, like when we become Christians, sometimes we can, we can kind of get this like swag, like, yeah, yeah, I'm a believer. Uh, get you some. I, I've, been a, I've been a Christian. I've been saved, right? And we get this swag, and, and I, I would just say, a lot of times in the Christian world, we, we, we start to think, you know, God owes us something. But that's not the way it works. See, here, here's what I mean. We're naturally selfish people. Nobody had to teach you to be selfish. Your first word wasn't mom or dad. It was mine, right? Mine. That was our first word. We, we think, what's in it for me? What about me? And before we met Jesus, more than likely, our lives were consumed about our rights and what we deserved. Our, our, like, like we were like the prodigal son. Give us our inheritance. It's all about me. And then Jesus came along and he flipped the script. Jesus said it's not supposed to be like that. He turned the model upside down. And in Matthew chapter 20, he says... I want you to live by a completely different model. See, see, it's not about you anymore. Because the greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Wrap a towel around your waist and go serve people in the city. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? The greatest honor and the authority is reserved for the one who has the heart of a servant. That's, that's the greatest authority. That's the greatest honor. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Become a servant to the least of these. And Jesus followed it up with this statement. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for people. To give my life in exchange for the salvation of so many so I, I, I want to say it this way a lot of times well this, this scripture is what yesterday was about really and a lot of times we, we focus on our rights but G, Jesus says you don't really have rights see a servant doesn't have rights does he what a servant has is responsibility so when you become a Christian, when you, when you decide to follow Christ, when you make this your house, you say, hey, I don't, have a, I don't have any rights, but I have a lot of responsibilities. And those responsibilities include serving people, putting other people first, helping them to know Jesus, helping them to find freedom and discover purpose and make a difference. And so the best way that you can discover your purpose, the best way for you to use your, your, your talents and gifts is through growth track. So today, right after this service at 11.30, we have Growth Track online. Step two, you're going to discover your personality. You'll discover your, your spiritual gifts. You'll discover the things that God's put inside of you. And we'll help you start making a difference. We'll help you begin to serve other people and to take your eyes off of your own issues and to put them on somebody else. Come on, are y'all with me today? It's about being servant-minded. My prayer for you is that you could say, my heart for this house is, is servant-minded. 
I just want to be a blessing. And the number four, the fourth thing that I'm praying for you is that you would be able to say, my heart for this house is expressed in generosity. My heart for this house is a generous heart. I, I, I want to give. I want to share. I, I want to... I want to I want to support the vision and the mission of this house and I want to tell you that I'm proud of you because in our first 16 months as a church because of your generosity City Hope Church has given more than $117,000 to local missions international missions national missions that's incredible hey that's like over $10,000 a month that we've been able to give outside of the walls of this church to make a difference for the cause of Christ. That's generosity. So I'm not telling you, that, I'm, not, I'm not giving you this point today because I need you to be more generous. But it's a mark of discipleship in our lives. Generosity is a mark of discipleship. Jesus said it this way in Luke. He said, be generous. I want you to be generous, Jesus said. Give to the poor. You gave 117,000 in your first 16 months. That's great. I want you to give even more. I want you to keep making a difference. Give to the poor. Keep doing serve days. Keep making a difference. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. How many of you would like that one? I want a bank that can't go bankrupt. Uh, get, get a bank in heaven that's far from bank robbers. Safe from embezzlers. I love this line. If I were to start a bank, this would be our tagline. A bank you can bank on. Right? Just a bank you can bank on. That's, that's heaven's bank. That's, that's heaven. And Jesus closes with this. He said, it's obvious, isn't it? What's obvious? That the place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be. Other translations say that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's the place you're going to end up being. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. So I want to I be bold and kind of say it in a, in a modern day term. And that is, if you were to show us your checkbook, then your checkbook would tell us where your heart is. I might say it this way, that if your treasure is in a lake house then that's where you want to be. If your treasure's on the golf course, now I love golf. I started playing again recently. I'm, I, I, I love golf. But if my treasure's in golf clubs and a golf course, then that's where I'm going to want to be. If your treasure's in a hunting lease, that's where you're going to want to be. If your treasure's in your kids' sports, man, my boy Garrett, he's hit two home runs this weekend. About to go down and watch him play again. I hope he hits one because I want to see it in person. I missed the first two. But if, but if all of my treasure is there in sporting events for my kids, that's where I want to be. If my treasure is in business, then that's where I'll spend most of my time. If my treasure is in my home or a vacation, then that's where I want to be. But listen to me, if your treasure is in the house of God, that's where you'll want to be. That's where you'll want to be. So next week is our Heart for the House offering. It's one, it's a one-time offering. If you miss it, you, you can still give to it by marking your envelope, but we won't do another Heart for the House offering. This is one time. And, and every bit of it, 100% of it, goes towards our new Cedar Elm location. 
And we've made a habit from the very beginning of this church. We've never asked one time for money. And I'm not, I'm not even asking this time for money. What we ask for is that you ask the Lord what he wants you to do. And then you just obey him. Okay? And so I'm, I'm, I'm saying there's no pressure in this. Because here's what we know. Is that because of COVID, many of you have you've lost a job. You're not making as much income as you were. And maybe, maybe you can't give as much as you had hoped. Or maybe you can't give at all. And I want to tell you there's no condemnation whatsoever. Not a bit. But then there's some of you who you've not only been able to keep working. But maybe you've been blessed. And so ask the Lord what he wants you to do. Maybe, maybe for you it's, it's going above and beyond and giving extra to heart for the house. Ask the Lord what he wants you to do. And you just simply obey him. Just obey whatever he asks you to do and I want to close out with this we're talking about generosity real quick that I want your heart for the house to be expressed in generosity so let me show you four things about a generous person four things that a generous person does number one is a generous person excels in generosity in other words they grow in generosity generous people keep growing they don't just say oh man that was that was cool and that's it they they want to learn to give more they want they want to be faithful in in what god has given them second corinthians paul says it this way that since you're excelling in so many things it's like he's writing this to city hope church you excel in so many ways you excel in your faith you excel in your gifted speakers oh i'm so gifted not really you excel in knowledge you excel in your enthusiasm you excel in your love for us your love for people the community but he says I I want you to excel also keep growing also in this gracious act of giving Don't, don't, don't just don't stop don't give once and be done but keep learning to grow keep excelling keep learning to give and there's no doubt in my mind that City Hope is going to continue to grow numerically we're going to grow in passion we're going to grow in 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 reaching people we're going to grow in making a difference we're going to grow in seeing lives changed I believe that but I'm also asking us to grow in generosity to grow in in these gifts that God's given us and so wherever you are right now in your generosity journey here's my ask is that you would ask the Lord what he wants you to do and be willing be ready to take that next step so maybe maybe for you right now you you really aren't being generous and you're not giving and you're you're not you're not supporting the local church and for you maybe that's just taking a step of faith and starting somewhere just giving something maybe for some of you you give uh, $20, $30 a week but you could give more maybe, maybe it's taking a step of faith to do that for some of you it's you, you give but maybe you're not tithing you're not giving 10% and so you could begin to you could begin to trust God with that wherever you are ask the Lord to help you take a next step for some of you maybe it's being generous when you sit down to eat because you, you, you're thinking to yourself you're, you're going to tip based on how well the server does you know when Annalise and I first got married we would we were kind of like that we would tip based on service but it was it was all over the place right and we just made a decision in our heart that we're going to always give 20% no matter what 
Service is good, 20%. Service is bad, 20%. They spit in our food, 20%. It doesn't matter. Because we just made a decision in our heart, we're going to be generous. Maybe it's spontaneously buying somebody's meal in the restaurant anonymously. They don't need to know who it is. But you just, you just say, I feel like I need to purchase their meal. Will you give me their ticket? And you just begin to excel in generosity. This, this week, I got a text message from somebody right here at City Hope. And they told me the story of the last several months. They, they work at, uh, here in Wichita Falls. And since COVID, their numbers have been really down. And this particular guy works on commission. And, and their numbers had been low. They'd actually begin to kind of struggle a little bit financially. But in May, he got a bonus. And, and he and his wife decided that they were going to give that bonus to the local church, to City Hope, for the, the building. And so they made that decision in their heart to do that, even when they were struggling. June turned out to be, listen to me, their business it had been struggling. The industry had been struggling, but June turned out to be a record month, better than any month he's ever had since he's worked at that location. I'm telling you something. And then check this out. Not only was it the best month they'd ever had, but the bonus he got for June was two times what the bonus for May was. Come on, somebody. That is the favor of God. That's, that's what generosity does. When you step out in faith, he was excelling. They were excelling in generosity, and God responded generously to that. Number two, the second thing about generous people is that they're grateful. They're grateful. And, and I know that, um, that this is not in our human nature sometimes again we, we we were born selfish so being being grateful sometimes isn't easy you go to the closet you open up the closet door what do you say i don't have anything to wear right you go to the fridge you open up the fridge and you say man we don't have anything to eat you go you go to the pantry and it's full of food but you say we don't have anything to eat and it's easy for us to focus on what we don't have it's easy for us to focus on the things that we're lacking. But I'm calling us, God's calling us to focus on what we do have. That we have been blessed. And Jesus has blessed us to be a blessing. Not to hoard it, not to hold on to it, not for us. He's blessed us so that we could be a conduit, so that we could, that we could give it away. Because here's the, here's the deal. If he can get the blessing through you, he will get it to you. And that's not just cliche, that is truth. If he can trust you, he'll get, it. he'll get it to you. Jesus said it this way in Matthew, that you've been treated generously. I've given you so much. You ought to be grateful for that. You ought to live that way. You ought to live generously because you've been treated generously. Let's be grateful as generous people. Number three, the third thing, is that generous people sacrifice. Generous people sacrifice. They decide in their hearts what the Lord has called them to do, what he's asked them to do. Back um, in biblical times in the Old Testament, they had kings, priests. King Solomon was the third king of Israel. He had just been crowned the king of Israel. And in those days, it was typical for the king to sacrifice one bull. They would sacrifice one animal as a burnt offering. It was worship to God. 
Well, King Solomon, he didn't do anything traditionally. He didn't do anything typical. He didn't do anything ordinary. He always went the extra mile. So King Solomon, he, he, didn't, he didn't just sacrifice one bull, not two, not three, not even a hundred bulls. King Solomon sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings to God as an act of worship. It was extravagant. It was over the top extravagant. And that night, God appeared to King Solomon in a dream. And he said in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, What do you want? What do you want, Solomon? What, what can I give you? Ask, and I will give it to you. And the story goes that Solomon asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for any of that. He asked for wisdom on how to govern the people of God. So God responds by saying, Solomon, I'm going to give you exactly what you ask. I'm going to give you wisdom because you didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for wealth and fame. So I'm going to give you wisdom, but because you didn't ask for the other, I'm, I'm going to give it to you anyway because I can trust you. Because you asked me for wisdom. It was the right thing. And, and listen to me. Generous people know that they know this. Generous people know they can ask God because God can trust them. I'll say it this way God only asks this question, what do you want? to extravagant givers. He doesn't ask a selfish person, what do you want? because he can't trust a selfish person because they hold on to the blessing they keep it close to the vest they won't, they won't pay it forward they won't make a difference with what he gives them so he doesn't say what do you want to, an, to, to a selfish person he says it to an extravagant person and, and the more extravagant our gift the more extravagant our request can be the more extravagant our gift the more extravagant our request can be so uh, let me ask you this if you're like me this has probably been you along the way. Have you ever wanted God to do something new in your life, but you weren't willing to do something new with your life? Have, have you ever wanted God, you wanted God to do something new, but you didn't want to do something new? You ever been there? We, we want God to do something fresh, do something new, and he asks us to do something, we go, I'm not doing that. No thanks, God not me we want him to do something new but we won't do something new so what, what do you do about that you, you sacrifice a little bit more you pray a little bit more you believe a little bit more you ask a little bit more and then watch God do a whole lot more in your life generous people generous people sacrifice number four I'll close out with this that generous people think about eternity Generous people are thinking about the afterlife. What happens next? Where do I go from here? Generous people are thinking about eternity. See, generous people know that when they give to the kingdom of God, it's, it's making an eternal impact. It's not, it's not just, it's not going to a building. Listen to me. When you give to Heart for the House next week, it's not going to an organization. It's not going to a building. It's not going to somebody's pockets. It's going to help 
people find and follow Jesus Christ. It's going to make an eternal difference. And listen to this. One day, when you get to heaven, you're going to meet some people. You're going to meet some people that you never knew on earth. You're going to meet people from Wichita Falls, Texas. You never met. And they're going to come up to you in heaven. They're going to say, hey, man, you, we, we never met. And we lived in Wichita Falls our entire lives together. I went to Hershey. You, you went to Ryder. I went to Old High. You went to Hershey. You know, I went, I went to Vernon. You went to MSU. We didn't really know each other, but it's your generosity that helped me get to heaven. Pastor Ben, are you sure? That sounds like a song. Thank you for giving to the Lord. <laughs> sounds like a song. Are you sure, Pastor Ben? Check this out. Luke chapter 16, verse 9. Jesus tells us a story. And he says, here's the lesson of that story. Use your worldly resources. Use your wealth. Use your finances to benefit others. To make friends. What kind of friends? The kind of friends that when your possessions are gone, another translation says that when you fail, when you die, those friends will welcome you to an eternal home. <laughs> use, your, use your resources to make a difference, to make an impact eternally. And that's what this church is all about. That's what City Hope is all about. Helping people find and follow Jesus Christ. Helping people come to a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. So when you give, when you give, you're advancing an eternal cause. When you give, lives are changed. When you give, you're building something that's going to last forever. It's going to last for eternity. See, wealth comes and goes. Just put your money in the stock market. It comes and goes, right? But the kingdom of God, the work of God, the cause of Christ lives forever. I've, I've um, had my share of funerals through the years. And something that a funeral does is it causes us to kind of look introspectively in our lives. We begin to think about where am I? What am I doing? Am I making a difference? What's, what's my life really accomplishing right now? And I think that some people, some people have this legitimate fear of dying. But for most of us, I think most of us are afraid of getting to the end of our lives and realizing that we never really lived. What did I, what did I do? I mean, what, what did I accomplish? Man, I had a great house. I had a, my kids were... They were all good. We lived in a nice city and we, we had the best at our fingertips. What did I do with my life? And I think that's exactly what happened to John D. Rockefeller, the richest man who has ever lived in America. Not, not the richest man then, the richest man who has ever lived in America in the 1900s was worth about $400 billion dollars. He was known as the world's richest man, America's richest man, but he was also known as a greedy man. He was known as a guy who, when, when asked, when will you be happy? When will it be enough? His response was, just one more dollar. 
just just a little bit more just just a little bit more and i'll be happy and so in in the 1930s he's on his deathbed his perspective is beginning to change and the tv reporter asks him the question mr rockefeller what will you leave behind and he said all of it here's a man who seemingly had it all I mean he had wealth he had, he had everything at his fingertips but he came to realize Proverbs 23 that says hey don't wear yourself out trying to get rich be wise enough to know when to quit because in the blink of an eye wealth disappears it'll sprout wings and fly away like an eagle it's gone it's here today it's gone tomorrow don't put your faith in those things a generous person knows that what they have they have to give away they have to make a difference they have to use for his kingdom for his purpose for his destiny and so the only thing that transfers to eternity the only thing that really matters is this it's a relationship with Jesus Christ the only thing that matters is do you have a relationship with Jesus so I want to ask you today what's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now what's he whispering to your heart what's he speaking to you more, more than what you could give to heart for the house more than what you could give towards eternity I want to be clear and tell you that more important than what you give to eternity is where you spend eternity where you spend eternity matters more than anything else so how is your relationship with Jesus this message today is not a message about you about anything else than this it's not about your money it's about your heart and the most important thing that you could give Jesus today isn't your wealth it's you the most important thing you could give to God today is your own life and so right where you are if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior if you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life if you've never asked him to to be in charge if you're far from God if you're distant if you've drifted if you've backslidden if you've gone the other way I want to give you an opportunity right now to come to know the life-changing power of Jesus Christ if that's you I want you to pray this prayer with me today say Jesus I give you my life will you forgive me will you cleanse me I trust you my trust is not in wealth my trust is in you I give my life to you body soul and spirit mind will and emotions will you take charge take control give me a clean slate a fresh start a new beginning from this day forward I will live for you the best I know how in Jesus name amen amen come on let's give God thanks right now yeah